to The Bunker, a podcast for students of American history. Today I'll be sharing an article posted by the Bill of Rights Institute on the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. For a direct link to the article and source citations, please visit the show notes. In 1874, a group of Chinese community leaders from San Francisco wrote a letter to city government that said, in part, We wish now also to ask the American people to remember that the Chinese in this country have been, for the most part, peaceful and industrious. As a people, we have the reputation, even here and now, of paying faithfully our rents, our taxes, and our debts. In view of all these facts, we are constrained to ask why this bitter hostility against the few thousands of Chinese in America. Why these severe and barbarous enactments discriminate against us in favor of other nationalities? Lei Young and his fellow authors penned this petition in response to the politicians, labor unions, and other Americans, primarily on the West Coast, who were advocating excluding virtually all Chinese from the United States. Negative stereotypes of Chinese immigrants as diseased, heathens, and perverts combined with fears among labor unions and other West Coast residents that Chinese manual labor represented unfair competition for jobs. The result was a growing anti-Chinese movement that rapidly gained social and political ground during the years after the Civil War. But other Americans, including Republicans, big business, and the famed abolitionist Frederick Douglass, pushed back against what they identified as the paranoia and racism of those on the West Coast. The debate over Chinese migration resulted in the passage in 1882 of the Chinese Exclusion Act, one of the first federal policies to restrict immigration, and this decision helped shape the course of American immigration policy in the early 20th century. The authors of the San Francisco petition were correct in believing that initially Chinese labor was valued. After the Taiping Rebellion in China during the 1850s and 1860s, Chinese men from the Guadang province arrived in the United States to work in mines in the mountain regions of California and the Rockies or to dynamite mountains and build the Transcontinental Railroad, linking various regions of the West and spanning the entire United States. After the Civil War, Southern planters even turned to recruiting Chinese on the West Coast to work in agriculture as a means to replace the labor once demanded from slaves. Although the use of Chinese migrants to grow cotton and sugarcane in Mississippi and Louisiana was short-lived, Southerners often offered limited praise of the Chinese worker, referring to them as a mighty reservoir of labor. The Burlingame Treaty of 1868 provided protections for Chinese migrants in exchange for American trading rights in China, and after its signing, the number of Chinese immigrants in the United States increased to approximately 12,000 by 1870. As more Chinese arrived between 1860 and 1880, many Americans, particularly along the West Coast, moved from guarded tolerance to outward hostility. Many of the migrants were men who sent money home to the wives, fiancés, or families and settled in relatively isolated communities throughout the West. These Chinatowns can be found in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Seattle, and other areas in the Rockies, and were often self-sufficient with restaurants, loan companies, and laundries run by and catering to resident bachelors. Americans living nearby often interpreted the self-sufficiency of Chinatowns as a self-imposed isolation and an unwillingness to adapt to American culture and norms, ignoring the fact that in many cases, Chinatowns were a result of de facto or de jure segregation. Racist caricatures of Chinese men as violent, opium-addicted predators of innocent white women 
also filled popular magazines and played out in political cartoons. At the same time, unions such as the Knights of Labor and the Democratic Congressional Representative from California highlighted the economic threats they saw in Chinese migrants. White members of the working class along the West Coast feared Chinese immigrants would undercut competition by working for low pay and doing any job, no matter how dangerous or degrading. Dennis Kearney was the leader of the, China work, uh, the California Working Men's Party, a white labor union, who characterized the Chinese as a race of cheap working slaves and proclaimed, California must be all American or all Chinese. We are resolved that it shall be American and we're prepared to make it so. Kearney's The Chinese Must Go became the rallying cry in the West. Attacks against the Chinese often moved beyond pen and paper and into the physical realm when neighboring residents attacked Chinatowns. Unsubstantiated fear of a Chinese gang war after the shooting of a white police officer in Los Angeles Chinatown in 1871 prompted a violent charge by white and Latino men, which resulted in the lynching of 18 Chinese men. Although some West Coast residents condemned the attacks, others justified them as an appropriate response to an unwanted and parasitic group of immigrants. In the 1870s and 1880s, other violent anti-Chinese riots broke out in other cities such as Denver. Violent vigilantes and those concerned about the cultural and economic consequences of Chinese immigration soon found a political voice in the call for Chinese exclusion. Senator John Franklin Miller of California argued that the Chinese civilization was radically different from that of Americans, and therefore immigrants could not assimilate into American society. Speaking on the floor of Congress, he asked, if we continue to permit the introduction of this strange people with their peculiar civilization until they form a considerable part of our population, what is to be the effect upon the American people and Anglo-Saxon civilization? San Francisco lawyer H. N. Clement spoke before a California State Senate Committee in 1876 and echoed Miller when he proclaimed, A nation has the right to do everything that can secure it from threatening danger and keep a distance, whatever is capable of causing it ruin. In this case, the threat was the half-civilized subject from Asia, and the everything meant imposing harsh restrictions on Chinese immigration to the United States. California legislators had already passed state taxes that targeted the Chinese. Meanwhile, Republican California Representative Horace Page successfully proposed the Page Act, which Congress passed in 1875, allowing the United States to prohibit any undesirable immigrant coming from Asia who might be considered a coolie or a prostitute. But neither of these measures proposed virtually ending Chinese immigration to the United States. Not all were quick to endorse Chinese exclusion as those in California. In 1867, Frederick Douglass delivered a lecture in Boston in which he argued his audience to reconsider any hatred toward the Chinese. In Douglass's view, hardworking Chinese Americans contributed not only to the industrial power of the United States, but also to the diversity of the country. The United States was a composite nation made up of many different groups of people, he said and we should welcome our ample, to our ample continent all nations, tongues, and people. As fast as they learn our language and comprehend the duties of citizenship, we should incorporate them into the American body politic. The outspread wings of the American eagle are broad enough to shelter all who are likely to come. Far from being isolated harbingers of an attack on American civilization, Douglas argued that Chinese were no different from the Germans in that they had adapted to American life without sacrificing their native culture. 
Republican Senator Blanche Bruce from Mississippi, who also opposed restricting Chinese immigration because it was not so long ago that he and other African Americans were considered essentially disqualified from enjoying the privileges and immunities of American citizenship. Although President Rutherford B. Hayes, who governed during much of the push for Chinese exclusion, also agreed that the Chinese should not be prohibited from entering the United States, he approached the issue from a diplomatic angle, as did many East Coast merchants who relied on trade with China. In 1879, Hayes vetoed an act that would make it illegal for a ship with more than 15 Chinese people to enter the United States, and he later sent officials to China to renegoti renegotiate the Burlingame Treaty. This 1868 treaty had given American merchants access to China ports and opened the United States to Chinese immigration. Despite objections, the push for exclusion from the West Coast gained bipartisan support in Congress, and by 1881, as the economic and cultural concerns about the Chinese had increased. The renegotiation of the Burlingame Treaty produced the Angel Treaty of 1880, which allowed the United States to regulate Chinese immigration, clearing the way for the exclusion bill. In May 1882, President Chester A. Arthur Ch signed the Chinese Exclusion Act, which prohibited Chinese manual labor from entering the United States. Violations led to fines and deportation. Preventing Chinese immigrants from obtaining U.S. citizenship and requiring those Chinese lawfully in the United States to carry paperwork attesting to their residency. Students, government officials, merchants, and religious leaders from China were still allowed to enter the United States temporarily, and undocumented Chinese migrants found their way to the United States, but the Exclusion Act created the first large-scale immigration policy requiring a growing bureaucracy to police the comings and goings of a racial group. Renewed in 1892 and again in 1902, the Act set a precedent for future restrictions on immigrants coming to the United States. It was finally repealed by Congress during World War II. Millions of European immigrants came to American shores from 1880 to 1920. As their numbers increased, additional calls were made for immigration restrictions in the early 20th century. This movement achieved success during World War I when Congress passed a law requiring a literacy test for all immigrants. By 1924, Congress had passed the Immigration Act, which set quotas severely curtailing European immigration and banning all immigration from Asia. The law stood for decades until it was revised in 1952 and in 1965, expanding immigration again. 